Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. So yeah, I just kept sort of waiting for the pooping. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! I think I just shit my pants. I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. What they like? This week is Mystery Topic 2, Picked from a Hat. My name is Jeff, and I worked at a subway, and when Dan came in, he'd turn around and ask me to put one single olive on the sandwich, somewhere hidden. This signature move was called the Olive Surprise. My name is Jimmy, and I watched every episode of The Tonight Show with Conan (laughs) O'Brien. My name is Dan, and I tell people that my favorite movie is Taxi Driver, but really, it's Wizard of Oz. Really? Yeah. I know you like Wizard of Oz. Like, it's a good film. It's it's one of the greatest films. Gonna Mm. drop a bombshell? Never seen it. I've never seen it all the way through. Oh, my gosh. You know what's really weird? My wife has never seen it either. Really? And I don't know if it's like, was our, were we born in the last few years that it was played on TV all the time? And like, you didn't have Blu-rays and streaming media? We both have younger significant others. And those are the types of things that are true generational gaps. It's, it's, it really is. It's like, there's a divide in between like four years after I was born and four years before she was born that like something happened. Like she didn't (laughs) know the internet. I mean, yeah, that's what it was, but it's just, the timing is so weird because like she's, I don't know. She's smarter than me, but like she doesn't, she's never seen Wizard of Oz. So is she really, but she probably has seen and knows a lot of stuff that you don't. Like, I've heard my girlfriend talk about musicians, and I think I'm, like, a music person. I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, yeah, so uh, I didn't know which one was Drake and which one was Josh. What? Well, that's pretty bad. And she was like, this one is Drake. Wait, I'm I'm really bad, because I was thinking the rapper Drake, and I was like, you don't know who Drake is? You don't know who the rapper Josh is? (laughs) Yeah. Now I realize. So I'm like, I I, I, I know who they are, but I I still, right now, I forgot. I wouldn't know which is which either. Like, I can picture Drake and Josh together, but I don't know Because she was watching a show, and the guy looked like the the fatter one, and I was like, oh, look, it's it's the Drake and Josh guy. And she was like, Josh? I don't even, that might be wrong. It might be Drake. Josh Beck. Who's the bigger one? Josh Peck. He's not fat anymore. Not anymore, no, but on the show he was. Yeah. Okay, so Josh. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought it was Drake. I, I called know. him Drake, and she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, and it's like, she said another name, Megan or something. And I was like, I don't, I've never seen the show. When you think about Drake and Josh, do you get in your feelings? I, I don't know. Do I? He used to call me on your cell phone. Oh, yeah, see, I... Cultural zeitgeist, everybody. I mean, In Your Feelings is like 10 years old, but cool. Okay. Wow. The end of the segment. Every week on the show, we do a segment that we like to do that's called talking ourselves. Into- Why are you laughing? I'm just a saying A segment that we like to do. Yeah. We do is. like to do it. It's our favorite segment. It's my favorite segment. I hate it. Segment. I don't like to do it. Okay, let's cut it from the show. It's gone forever. <laughs> no, I love it. This week, I had to talk myself into getting my TV fixed. 
oh, for some reason. Oh, no. Yeah. I say, oh, no, as if I didn't know this already. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I was watching some Hulu. I was watching the newest season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because it's finally on Hulu. And uh, all of a sudden, the TV started acting glitchy. I was like, that's not good. That's a thing that TV shouldn't do. And so I uh, turned it off, then turned it back on, and there was no picture. It's like, mm. that's not very good. It's a bad TV. I know. So um, I went to uh, LG support site. This is not a sponsor, obviously, but um, not a sponsor. Could be. Yeah, could be. Um, so I turned. I called them and let them know what was going on, and uh, they immediately sent out a person to get it fixed, and literally just a swap out of the motherboard, and it was good to go. I don't even know what that means because it's yeah. a computer thing. Yeah, it was. I think it was a computer thing. I think something short circuited. But did you have to pay for it, or was it under? No, warranty? it was under warranty. I only mm. had it for like uh, five months. I think I got I'm it. I'm happy <laughs> that that went so smoothly for you because when you told me what was happening, I was yeah. like, "That's gonna suck." Yeah, especially because it's a nice TV. It's one of the top of the line LG uh, OLEDs. Um, so I was when like, he was done. Did he say looks good? <laughs> Probably because yeah, LG because, looks good. Yeah. Get it? Oh, I sure do. I want to die. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was pretty nervous because I spent a lot of money on the TV. I didn't want to spend a lot of money on the TV again. Um, luckily, it fell under warranty, so I got it fixed, took it down, and I had to put it back up. And that was quite a chore doing it all by myself because I have it mounted above my fireplace. So uh, You should have was... done it while there was a fire roaring just to give yeah. yourself a little extra challenge. <laughs> That's like hard mode. Yeah, I like Jimmy's that. Jimmy's nuts roasting on an open fire. Oh, okay. man, I hate how funny that is. Like, I'm not laughing, but that's very <laughs> funny. It's yeah. so good. It was so funny I did a Jimmy laugh just to support him. <laughs> Shut it up, you. Um, yeah, so I had to do that, but uh, LG had some pretty good support staff, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Sponsor us, LG. Glad it turned Great. out well for yeah. you. So the last couple of weeks, it's kind of fun. I'll just go last. Okay. No one wants to hear me talk. Yeah, no. it's fine. I there was silence and I took it. Yeah, and you didn't. That's just how we do things. I we was holding play. the conch shell. Do you want to go next? No, you go. Okay. I just think it's funny. The last few weeks, uh, uh, just just to recap, a couple of my talk me into's were going out in winter and driving to New York City. Two things that I cannot do anymore because we live in a world where viruses roam free. And they transfer around, and you can't do that stuff. The distant so, future. The distant future. So I'm not quarantined, but this, I'm talking myself into talking on the phone more. And <laughs> I wasn't, I was forced into this. Yeah. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> it chose me. So uh, Thursday, usually when I come home from work, I don't do anything, right? Like in the winter, I'm like, I'm going to go home, sit down, watch some TV, eat some food uh joke around my wife yeah your life probably isn't that different no 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 it's not it's like identical (laughs) it it is literally the same but i was like okay i gotta get talk me into stuff done i got some prep work to do told my wife i was like thursday coming home i'll make dinner we'll eat i'm gonna spend two hours doing this stuff then i get home and a buddy of mine ian calls Mm. and i was like oh haven't talked to you in a while and we talk a lot like when he calls, it's a few hours on the phone. It's this one isn't the- just any Ian. This is famous comic book writer. And yes. Ian McNearney. Am I <laughs> no. <that right? laughs> You're combining two people. Oh, yeah. Ian Mondrick, who Mondrick. we've actually reviewed his yes, comic, Tomb of the White yes. Horse, on our Halloween roundtable. Classic Dan. Yeah. Check out that episode. And um, yeah, so we talked for like about an hour. And then I was like, okay, wasn't planning on that time, but it was fun. Then my mom calls, and usually those are like, mom calls are like three or four minutes. Yeah. This one was long. 
Oh, yeah. She was like, I don't want to leave. And <laughs> my church told me this and God's coming back and save yourself. And I was like, OK, OK, I just entertained it. That was 45 <laughs> minutes. And then I finally sit down and I'm about to type up some talk me into notes. And uh, I pulled up my phone. I got a missed call like one minute ago from friend of the show, Dante, oh, boy. who you've heard on our 50th uh, episode. Yeah. And we talked for two hours. And we quarantine to get Jeff connected to his friends. Yeah. Dante and I text almost daily, whether it's sending a meme, yeah. updating each other on our lives, Aww. talking about entertainment. We, we maintain a long distance friendship. He lives on the West Coast of these here United States. He's part of the but, West Coast Podvengers. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't talked to him on the phone or in person in like four years. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So yeah, it's just uh, it's good to connect to people. Do that now when you can't do anything when you're at home. Connect with people Main, during quarantine. Maintain your relationships when you're distancing yourself socially. Uh, yeah, I was forced into it, but I don't hate it. I like it. Yeah, I had to get a FaceTime phone call from my mom. She was like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to see you is. I mean, you could probably see your mom. Yeah. It's a good excuse, though, because you're like, ah, I would hang out. Like, this yeah. is great for me and Dan. Because now, like, he can't ask me to go to trivia night. And I can't be like, ah, oh, I'm you're busy. such a dick. <laughs> I was sick last time you called me. I was, yeah. I was homesick. Yeah. Uh, Dan. Yeah. You got the conch shell. Well, you guys, Jimmy had, like, sort of a chore. You had sort of something forced not, upon yeah. me. Yeah. Mine is more fun. Um, I've been talking myself into. A, I don't even know what to call him. An entertainer, musician, comedian, YouTuber. Uh, wow, you're talking Twitter artist. YouTuber? I don't know if he has a YouTube page. So you're making things up. Multimedia artist. And I also don't know how to pronounce his name because I've only seen it typed. And it <laughs> looks very confusing and I'm going to slaughter it. His name is Mark Rebier. Rebelette. Anyone familiar with Rebelette. him? No. I, I came to know him because he looks like friend of the show, Anthony Fantano, the needle drop. No. Mm -hmm. And he's also growing a large online presence. And people were like, are these <coughs> are these the same people? Because Anthony Fantano is typically bald, but one time he grew his hair out and he looks exactly like this guy. Or yeah. is it Cal Chuchesta? Right. Well, this guy is a hoot. He is a fantastic follow. Yeah. A Fantano. Follow. He's a he's a live streamer who makes up music on the spot based on suggestions from the audience. Mm. So he has a number that you can call or you can send him a tweet, whatever, message him, and whatever, he'll pick one at random and write a song about it on the spot. That's so fitting for this episode because we're picking the topic from Yeah, him. and yeah. He, he uses basically like a couple keyboards, um, drum machine, and like a looper. So he literally builds it from the I've bottom I've seen people up. do this before. I don't know if it's... I've seen him, maybe. <clears throat> but his it's so awesome because he also, like, sings and makes up the words and does vocal harmonies and layers all that. And because he's using, like, a good looper machine, he can bring things in and out so it's not, like, stagnant, like, not mm -hmm. the same riff boring over and over again. Reggie Watts does that great. Yeah, he yeah. might be better than Reggie wow. Watts. Because it sounds like real like funk music and stuff like that. He's always doing like super slow, groovy, romantic shit. And he's like, he's, it's really good. And the topics are good. Um, like he'll, and he does this live too. He does live performances where he makes up music on the spot. There's a video of him doing a song at a coffee house where people were clearly ignoring him. And he's 
singing a song called Gone Part Gone Put a Hurtin' on That Ass. <laughs> and he's just screaming. It's it's so good. Yeah, that sounds fun. He is a great follow. Let me I should give out his Twitter name just as a plug. I mean, he's he's I, pretty big right now with the youths. I love how every episode Dan has stuff to bring to the table, but he doesn't have it prepared. <laughs> so we have to fill time while he looks for it. It's fine. He's at Mark Rebier. Let me spell that for you. M-A-R-C R-E-B-I-L-L-E-T. It's good. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to check that out. Last time Jimmy was talking about a Twitter, it was that Ninja Turtles one that yeah. I love. It's so good, yeah. right? He also has been doing quarantine streams where he's streaming from home in various degrees of uh, undress. undress. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'm looking at a stream of him wearing boxers and a Hawaiian shirt, and the topic is cup of coffee. <laughs> That's it's pretty good. Very good. Cool. That's the segment, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Goodbye. When we come back, we're going to pick a topic out of a cup. I thought it would be a hat, but I'm going to say it's a hat still, even though it's a cup. (laughs) In my hand, there is a cup that I led you to believe would be a hat, but a cup is more convenient for us to have. Yeah. And in this cup... There are nine post-it notes folded correctly, which hold topics that we picked. We each pick three topics. Um, I pick some topics that I've kind of wanted to talk about, but something more better uh, (laughs) (laughs) comes up or something timely comes up. And right now I'm going to pick one and we're going to open it up and we're going to talk about it. And that's that's the topic we're going to do. But then I think after we should I don't just... think you should pick it. I think you should shake it and let Jimmy draw. Do you want Jimmy to draw? Why yeah. Me? Do you want to read it? We all sure. part. Sure. <laughs> OK, yeah. This is teamwork. Yeah. So after that, do you guys want to open up the rest and talk about them? I think that would be a good idea. Well, they're probably going to become future. Yeah, they'll become future. So we'll briefly talk briefly. About no, not like in depth. All right, Jimmy, oh. I'm shaking the cup. OK, I'm extending the cup to oh, Jimmy. Boy. Pick one. Don't look at it and give it to Dan. He's handing it over to Dan. Definitely not one of mine because it's folded again. I folded all of them oh, so they would fit yeah. in the cup better. Okay. We didn't write our names on it too, and I don't know your guys' handwriting, so we'll see. I know yours, and I know mine, so by process of elimination, I know Jimmy's. I also can't open it. <laughs> <laughs> Fold it sticky side in, huh, Jeff? Yeah, you can easily. I don't know why this is difficult. I can open up like six <laughs> okay. right now. I got it started. This is Jimmy's. Oh, Rocket League. Oh, what boy. the hell is Rocket League? <laughs> it's a video game that I'm going to be having you guys play. Oh, this, I, let's do another one. <laughs> Pick another one. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, so this is an online. <laughs> Wait, before you get really into it. Sure. Let's do the others. You want to do the others? Yeah. Jeff, just read them. You're, you're fine. Do you don't want to pass them out? No. I'm just going to open them one by one. Just yeah. say it, and then if it's ours, we'll comment on it. Oh, yeah, this is harder to open. I up. told you. <laughs> <laughs> These are really good post-its, guys. Super sticky. Super steamy. I'm opening up this one, and this one is mine. It's Crooked Little Vein by Warren Ellis. It's a book that I read a long time ago, and I want to read again, so you guys are going to have to read it, too. We're definitely doing that sometime. <laughs> this is riveting podcasting. Jimmy's yeah. going to have to edit the F out of this. Yep, sure am. Another one for me. Oh, Black Panther, the man without fear, fear itself. 
It's an arc from a Black Panther comic book. Mm. Great, everybody. <laughs> We're doing another one. How many times can they say fear in that title? I know it's so funny. That's the sub. That's when Black Panther took over the Daredevil title. Yeah, I remember. A third one from me. You didn't do a very good job shuffling. Jeffy. I did six of them. I wrote all six. Red Dwarf. Uh, it's a science fiction comedy show from I, Britain. I remember when you were into that. Yeah. And you guys are going to be too, because I'm talking you into it sometime. Mm. This one is, I believe, Dan's, because you just watched the series, Fleabag. Yeah, we're going to do that at some point. That's a great show. You could have heard us talk about all these, but instead we got Rocket League. <laughs> uh, I don't know whose this is. It's kind of a funny story. That's mine. Is that a movie? That's a book. It's a book. And a movie. Technically a movie, too. Is it a coming-of-age tale? It sure is. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> that would have been fun, too. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for that one. This one is definitely Dan, Talking Heads. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was going to be a fun one, and it still will be, because it's going to be multimedia, video and music. Oh. Oh, they got that live concert, right? Oh, yeah, they do. It's a good one. One of the greatest live concerts of all time. I think I have that on vinyl. Didn't you give that to me? Yes, I did, because I had yeah. multiple copies. Yeah. Stop making sense. So these last two, I believe. Are, are me. Well, nope. Not necessarily. One for me and one for oh, Jimmy. Yeah. I don't know what this is. Find me. So this was... All right, you need a second here. <laughs> If this got drawn, this was going to be a surprise because this was going to be a mystery within a mystery. This is a book that I have not yet read. Oh, so it's like our other mystery yeah. topic. So I just threw that in there. If it got pulled, we were going to do it. It is the sequel to Call Me By Your Name. Okay. Oh, yeah. And lastly, this is Jimmy's, but I would yes. be on his side, Skins. Oh, I didn't know you liked Skins. Uh, the British one or the US British, one? British, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that the only overlap we had? Yeah, I guess so. Interesting. Yeah, so, like Jimmy, it. tell us about Rocket League. So, Rocket League is an online multiplayer competitive uh, soccer game that you play with cars oh, instead of people. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> <laughs> this was my idea, and I like weird, but I hate this. So, I chose this because I wasn't, like, super, like, excited to do this, but I was like... Why are we doing it, thing? <laughs> Because I think it's going to be, I think it's a fun game. I I'm think so glad it went this way. This. I hate it, but I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think that you guys are going to like this, but we're going to be talking about it. <laughs> we're going to be playing it. We're going to be talking about it. I at least pick things I knew you guys would probably like. But on the upper hand, I'm basically going <coughs> to download it on Dan's PS4. We're going to play a game and then that's it. So you guys don't really have to consume that's true, a whole That's true, but lot. I don't know. Or you don't know Jack episode was kind of the worst one that we've ever had. <laughs> or the Jackbox party game. It was fun to do. Yeah. It was fun for us, but listening to it was probably not good. Well, you guys have built a ton of anticipation for this episode by yeah. calling it, quote, something I don't think you guys are going to be talked into. Yeah. And quote, like that other episode, which is the worst one we've ever had. <laughs> it's going to be fun, but we can't back down now, so here we are. Oh, we're all in. Yeah, no, we have to be. Um, but it's a super fun game. It's quite possible you guys might like it. Um, a lot of people really enjoy it. and uh, It does seem silly. It's very silly. Like twist and metal level silly? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely is. I'll show you guys some clips maybe later. Be like, this is how the game is played. But yeah, you're driving around in a car and you're shooting a... Uh, soccer ball into a goal and like you have to be goalies and stuff and it's okay. online and it's good it's very fun in the words of jeff it do clap yeah it does <laughs> so when we come back we're going to play a game maybe we can record it again and uh post it up on our patreon and uh and then we're gonna see if we if i talk stan and jeff into rocket league probably not <laughs> 
It's doubtful. <laughs> Okay, fellas, today we are going to play a video game Rocket League. Actually, <laughs> we're not, because out of the nine topics that we put into a cup and pulled out, uh, Jimmy's got selected, which was the only topic that requires physical interaction with the three of us. And because we are living in a, in a wild time, we are not hanging out with each other. This is everything I ever wanted. I don't need an excuse to not <laughs> hang out with my friends anymore. I just don't have to do it. So we are recording remotely in our homes. And uh, off microphone, we decided to pick another topic. Um, I numbered each topic that we already picked out of the hat. And then I rolled a D8, which is an eight-sided die for those <laughs> noobs. And we came up with another topic. And it happened to be one of Dan's. And Dan, what are we, what are you going to talk us into today? Uh, this episode, I am talking you and Jimmy into the band Talking Heads. Ooh. That's a band that I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of them. I've heard a couple of their songs, but I'm not super familiar with their oeuvre. Yeah, so this is a band that I've been into for a while now, uh, since I was probably a young teenager, and... Um, I think in different time periods, I have tried to get you guys into them. I think I've listened to them in the car with, I, I definitely remember introducing Jimmy to them. And I think he was. Yeah, you you gave me a, uh, a soundtrack to one of their live shows, which actually turned out to be the live show that you had us watch. Yeah. Spoilers. So, uh, yeah, we only had a couple days to do this. So, Dan, we'll get into what he picked, but we're doing a little abridged version of Talking Heads. Yeah, so Jimmy's exposure is somewhat minimal, right, Jim? Like, how, yeah, how no, much have I you actually listened to them? Um, I knew a couple of the songs, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that they were, like, talking head songs. So, I guess, theoretically, zero. <laughs> and, Jeff, what's your exposure? Uh, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so it's just, like, the background soundtrack to my childhood. Just, like, they're they're kind of... We'll get more into it as we move on. But, like... I just know what people know about them. You know, I don't really know any deep cuts or B-sides or really anything about the band itself. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Psycho Killer, I think everybody knows. And then a couple other songs. <clears throat> yeah, so the other thing that sort of got me thinking of doing this sooner rather than later is um, David Byrne, who's the singer of Talking Heads, who also had a pretty successful solo career. He has recently launched a Broadway show called David Byrne's American Utopia, where he's performing a mix of um, Talking Heads songs and his own solo stuff in sort of an interesting like live music choreographed concert on Broadway, which is something I would like to go to. And I would like one of you to go with me or both of you. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I don't know. Just based on the timing when we picked these topics, I think it might have been in your head because yeah. when we came over to record Talking Heads, I was singing Once in a Lifetime because he performed on what is now the final episode of this season of Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. 
and it's just a, a very catchy song. And then you brought up the Broadway show, which I didn't even know because I forgot that David Byrne was in the Talking Heads. I just oh, know man. him from that one song that they put on every single version of Windows Vista or something. Um, <laughs> and the same thing with I, I did a little bit of reading into the band. Brian Eno was a producer and I know him from my Sleepy Time podcasts because he does <laughs> or, uh, playlists because he does a lot of uh, soundscape stuff that it's funny that relaxing. that's how, you know, Brian Eno. Because he's one of the most prolific producers and record recording engineers of all time. That's you all know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just know the name because like my Spotify, all of like my new releases are sleepy time music. And he's always on there and like my top plays because when it plays for seven hours a night, it thinks that I want to listen to this. So like I don't actually get good recommendations from Spotify anymore because yeah. of Brian Eno. <laughs> Anywho. We're talking about Talking Heads, and as Jeff mentioned, since we are on a little bit of a um, time crunch, I was going to make a playlist, but then I thought, what got me into the Talking Heads? And the real answer is the concert film stopped making sense. Um, My uncle watched that with me when I was a young boy, a young impressionable boy, (laughs) and I was blown away, not just by the music, which was really fascinating and just like interesting and different than what I was exposed to previously, but also the stage performance talking heads Mm -hmm. is a very visual band. Like David Byrne early on um, started out thinking of himself as a, as a, I don't even know what you'd call it, but like a, like a visual artist sort of thing. The the band members. Yeah. The band members met at RISD, the Rhode Island school of design. So they're an art band, like Jeff said. So, so I asked you guys to watch um, the concert film "Stop Making Sense," um, which was produced, which was directed by Jonathan Demi, which is pretty interesting because he's like a film director. Um, it was shot in 1984, sort of at the peak of their of their powers, the height of their successes. So I don't know. We we're kind of in char- uncharted territory here, guys. Do you want to break? And come back with your thoughts. No, let's just, just go. Let's just keep going, man. All right. So spoilers from this point on. I mean, if there's such a thing as spoilers in a concert film. Yeah. From 30 years ago. You guys watch. Oh, we should probably we should probably say that this is available on Tubi. Yeah, I was well just going to get watch. there. Is that where you guys watched it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It was, there was a, like two commercial interruptions. It was very minimally invasive. Yeah. yeah. So um, what do you guys think? Let's get into it. All right. So when I first started watching this, I know that you um, I watched part of this with you years ago just because I remember kind of the stage setup. Oh, yeah. But I, I think it was brave of that. Maybe not brave, but maybe it is brave for 1983 or four whenever this was recorded, because they start with what I assume to be their biggest hit psycho killer on an empty stage with just the singer in a boombox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this is pre-EDM-ish, like kind of at the beginning of electronic music, and there's he just brings out a boombox, and, you know, I don't know if there was actual audio coming from that or if it was for show, but there's kind of a percussion coming from it. And he has an acoustic guitar, which Psycho Killer is not an acoustic song, and they start their set with their biggest song, Bare Bones on an Empty Stage. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to start the show, and it was a... I like when bands do different versions of popular songs, but they're mm-hmm. still good. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like we all like the Gaslight Anthem, and a lot of times they release uh, seven inches or whatever alternate versions of songs, and it's Brian Fallon playing them acoustically. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, they're bad. Like he's just kind <laughs> of 
it doesn't really capture the essence of the original song, um, but this does. And I think that it was done really well as an opener. Cause I'm just trying to imagine myself going to see this huge band at this point, um, play in a theater and you show up and there's no drum set on the stage. There's no amps on the stage. There's nothing on the stage. And then he just walks up with a boom box. There's also no backdrop. If you look, yeah, no, there's nothing. It's just bare. It's, it's just, just an like empty an empty stage. warehouse looking stage. Yeah, no, I thought I thought that was super cool. Um, super cool. The uh, yeah, super cool. Um, obviously, I know this song because it's been played everywhere, and um, especially in the eighties. Because um, you know, I was there um, in the eighties. Yeah. So um, I thought it was pretty cool to start off the show that way, and it was definitely very artistically shot. I mean, it's gonna be kind of hard for me to not talk about like how good it was shot and stuff because i thought it was a really good movie yeah yeah um, regardless def- I, I wrote down notes about that moving forward yeah i mean regardless of it being a really good movie we're pretty much just talking about the music here um but i we thought it was a cool to. way to dan gave us a documentary we can talk about the actual production yeah, i mean like, i thought about i thought about reframing it as talking you into stop making sense but the reason why i wanted to stick with talking heads is because i'm hopeful that if I talk you into it enough, you guys will go forward and listen to Talking Heads albums. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll just talk about what we watched and heard together. But I, yeah, I thought this performance was pretty cool because it was. Um, I've never really seen anything like that before. So, okay, so yeah, I want to touch on a little bit throughout this um, episode about how they sort of build this concert up and you guys talked yeah. about it in psycho yep. killer and then going into the second song we get the first stage of like building the band building the concert um yeah, the bass player comes up yeah jerry harrison or T- tina weymouth comes up and plays bass on one of my favorite talking head songs heaven what did you guys think of this well i like it's good yeah i like how um how they were building this and i i kind of forgot having seen only like a few minutes of this before with you that they built throughout this whole entire movie, they're building a band. So you're starting from like a boom box and an acoustic guitar slowly building up. And then she comes out with the bass and adds another layer. And I wasn't familiar with the song. Um, I, I can't really hear it in my head right now because we were doing everything so fast. Heaven, but, heaven is a place. Yeah. But like, she didn't just come in and like do root notes or anything. Um, it was real funky, real fast. Yeah. And I kind of remember her uh, bass playing technique. Cause when we first watched this years ago, this, I mean, I'm not a good musician anyway, um, but I do play bass and I don't, I think I was either just starting or I've only did like a little bit of bass playing back then. And um, I was really impressed by it. And you had made a comment about like, like you listen to the way she's playing and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Hearing what she's playing makes sense with the song, but like to come up with her bass lines when there's nothing there before, it's pretty crazy. She's super good (laughs) at playing bass. So I like this song a lot because you do hear it throughout the whole show. Like she's, she's great at it, Mm -hmm. but you hear it here because it's so bare, like there's no percussion Mm -hmm. yet. So really a lot of the focus is on that funky slapping baby. 
it's not even really slapping it. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of cool, especially in this song, because her bass really carries the melody that. Yeah. Bum, bum, boom, boom, bum, bum, boom, boom. It's that arpeggio bass riff that's pretty interesting. And what if I really blew your mind, Jeff, and told you that before they started the band, she had never played bass before? Well, is that why I'm so good? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's, no, I thought that's you'd crazy. appreciate this song because the bass really stands forefront. Jimmy, what did you think of it? The song was great. Um, obviously, I I also listened. I, I heard the bass pretty prominently because it was literally only two instruments and in, in singing. Um, but yeah, the song is pretty good. And I appreciated how they were building the band song by song. Like as soon as this happened, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool. It was a good song. Too. I also love the lyrics to this song. Like, there is a party. Everyone is there. Everyone's invited. Like, the, his idea of heaven is so much like more down to earth than what you see. Yeah, like, just, in, like yeah. hanging out and like what makes you happy here. That's heaven. Whatever. Yeah, and whatever's it, your thing is what heaven yeah. is to you. When this kiss is over, it'll start again. It won't be any different. It'll be exactly the same. Like it's sort of a mundane idea of heaven, but it's sort of comforting and relaxing. Heaven's a place on, where nothing ever happens. It's kind of Tolstoyian, if if that's a, a way to describe Leo Tolstoy. Like yeah. the kingdom of God is within you. It ba- it breaks down these huge religious ideas and mm. distills it into to you like you don't have to go to church you are the church it's the same thing like heaven is what makes you happy yeah i like it so moving on we don't have to go track by track if you guys don't want to no because there's um, a couple i didn't really write anything but like uh the next song uh thank you for sending an angel this is when they add the drums and they wheel them in and now they're they're not only building sonically but they're physically building this stage and this performance Mm. Which I thought was Which cool. is, it's not, he's on like a riser. Yeah, it's really impressive how they planned this out because you probably didn't notice it. But if you go back and rewatch Heaven, there's literally a backdrop for her as well. So every time they add an instrumentalist, they bring out the amp, which has its own little staging area and stuff. Yeah. And these end up interlocking together and form the stage. Um, but I thought this was a great way to bring out the drums because this is such a drum heavy song just like heaven showcased the bass thank you for sending me an angel showcase the drums what do you guys think about that i thought it was good and i can't remember um the very opening credits it said like um performance it said something how like david byrne put this together right so i I can't remember the exact words um they described because i wasn't really looking into that but like I mean, this is well thought out. It's not like, hey, let's just do this song and then bring in another instrument in this song. Like, it, it is a puzzle, and they they knew how it needed to be built, and they did mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool how they were, like, obviously, in between, even, like, during songs, you still you see people coming up on the stage and, like, uh, putting this here and there, and I was just, it was pretty impressive just like uh, even just like doing a few like stage productions back in the day like it's pretty cool to see like that being built up and especially back in the 80s and stuff so yeah it was fun and this is a this is a banger well you can walk you can talk just like me it's sort (laughs) of like it's always a music episode it reminds me of like a weird new new wave elvis song i like it though i can see that um 
yeah f- i thought found a job was actually pretty good too uh they were talking it was sort of a weird song because it was like they're talking about um uh people are watching like a family is watching tv and they're like oh we could do that better so they make a tv show i don't know it was a weird song <laughs> a lot of these songs are weird and like yeah if you listen to other episodes where we review music we talk a lot about the lyrics but here it's kind of hard because i, I don't know some of these songs seem like they might mean something, but it's so like art house uh, mm-hmm. metaphorical yeah. that it's hard to figure out what they mean or they it's just literal nonsense. Um, I sort of think of his lyrics as like impressionistic, meaning like they're there to convey an emotional reaction in the listener. So I don't know if they nece- necessarily like legitimately tell a story or mean right. something but they elicit like a picture in your head or an emotion mm-hmm. um and also i i think a lot of times his vocals serve as another instrument so like yeah no totally s- sometimes in this song and found a job i don't think it really matters what he's saying it's just like judy's in a bedroom like that could easily be like a keyboard riff or something like that well i mean even mm. back in uh psycho killer when he breaks into french i didn't look yeah. at what the french means but like because i don't know what it means to me that is just an instrument it's just him doing the melody and like it sounds good it flows good like like you said like a keyboard might riff um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good band to like just vibe to, which is sort of where I'm kind of at right now with just listening to music. Vibing, sir. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, then we we get into Slippery People, and this is when they started to really build a full sound. Um, they brought in like keyboards, bongos, two background singers, and now you're getting into like a rock and roll show. Yeah, like a classic yeah, rock and, and the- roll show. The background singers are like heavily uh, like featured. Uh, you can like yeah, yeah yeah featured in the in this uh, song too, and I thought it was pretty cool that like and even they're not even mixed down like so to the point where you can't even hear them. Like they're pretty prominent in the mix, yeah. Which I thought was pretty pretty fun to to have. There's moments in this song where it's almost a duet between David Byrne and the three background singers. And I also yeah, that's always my my biggest gripe whenever I'm listening to music and stuff like background singers are like barely heard uh, because I, they do provide like such a big part of uh, different kinds of songs yeah. like that. And I also think the the bongos are cool in this. I believe there's actually a little bongo solo if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah, there is, which is pretty legit. Um, yeah, this song like lyrically, I don't think it really means a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's just sort of. I don't know. He's just sort of conveying emotion. And to me, like, it's more about the vibe of the song than what mm-hmm. he's actually saying. Yeah. And then we get uh, Burning Down the House, which is a song that I have also heard. I've definitely heard you sing it before, yeah. Dan. Yeah. I think and, um, this is this is one of their big ones, like top three. Right. Well, like, I think in hindsight, Jeff's right that Psycho Killer is probably bigger. But at the time when they were actually active, I'm pretty sure Burning Down the House was their biggest hit. Or possibly, I mean, the I've, song. I've heard this song my entire life on like every single radio station that my parents ever listened. Yeah. to. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it's it was just like a a mainstream hit that I don't even think like every if you went and just said like burning down the house to anybody over like 
15 or 20 uh they're gonna know the song they might not know it's talking heads but they know the song it, it's just it's it was so ubiqu- ubiquitous but uh ubiquitous you know the one it was ev- yeah it was everywhere during my <laughs> youth like i mentioned earlier like a lot of their songs were the soundtrack the background soundtrack to my childhood like i, I hear this song and i could just like see myself in my childhood bedroom or like riding a bike with my friends because it was just like it was that yeah small. when you say burning down the house it's very difficult for me to not go it's true yeah so i mean it, it it is a very catchy song it's a very nostalgic song for me and i assume for a lot of people it, it's one of those songs that like if you're making like a period piece movie and you put this song in there you know immediately without seeing anything else what time period that movie's going to take place. Um, and also like going back to what Jimmy said about this being a movie and him liking the production, this did some cool stuff that, I mean, I've, I've seen before, but I don't know if there were concert films before this that did that, but like the camera was all up in their shit. It was following mm-hmm. them around. It was like jumping to the, you know, whatever instrument was being highlighted. Then it was really cool. And it got you in, it, it felt like you were there, uh, Kind of. I mean, as much as watching something on a television set at 1 a.m. in my underwear during a two week quarantine uh, <laughs> as as well as I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty fun to see the musicians play for the camera, too. Like they're all looking at the camera. Oh, yeah. making Goofy faces. They, they stuff. weren't like I ignoring that was it or anything. It was like they were having fun. It, it felt like the a only party. other concert film yeah. that comes it, to mind before this that utilized some of these techniques is The Last Waltz, which was uh, about the band. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, that. directed by that Martin too. Scorsese. Say, so, I was talking a lot. you know, I, I don't think that it's a stretch to say that this movie was heavily inspired by that since it was also directed by a prominent film director. Um, I also wanted to take yeah, a minute. Sure. It was only a few years later, too. Yeah. I, I also want to take a minute um, to ask you guys, you know, obviously he's singing throughout the film throughout the you know all these songs but what did you guys think of david burns vocals because i know like burning down the house is a pretty good representation of some of his high falsetto stuff and some people are turned off by his voice i like his voice because um it 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 could seem a little weird but it does bring me right back to like those songs from the 80s or like late 70s it's sort of just like I don't know, like vibing bands, uh, just sort of like uh, like listening to music from like uh, the Breakfast Club or something. Like I don't know, it just brings me right back mm-hmm. to that era. I, uh, I think it's good. I think in this performance, he's a better singer than I remember him being. Because um, like if you listen to the the album version of Psycho Killer, he's not an exceptionally good singer. Like he he's got the vibe down that he wants to get, and kind of more of like a punk rock. Uh, vocal, which is like the oldest, whitest thing I've ever said, the way I said that. (laughs) Um, But in this, I think he's actually better at singing, maybe because this is several years into the Talking Heads career. He just got better at it. Um, I'm not sure, but it is strange, but it also fits what I think it should be in retrospect, Mm. you know? So at the time, I don't know if I would have said that. So at the time, I was also negative three. So, so. so the next yes. song, Life During Wartime, is another one of their bigger hits. Are you guys yeah. familiar with this one? So, yeah. I know I've heard it, but this song, and this has to come up almost every episode because Weird Al is such a huge yeah. part of my life. But mm-hmm. 
he, Weird Al must have loved the talking heads, um, especially during the 80s um, on Polka Party, which came out in 1986. He has a song called Dog Eat Dog, which is just about climbing the corporate ladder, really mon- mundane things, just like getting coffee. And like have, it's kind of like Office Space, the song, but 10 years before Office Space came out. And it's a stylist parody of talking heads in this era. So when a lot of these songs I'm listening to, I'm like, man, that is he, he did such a good job at that because like even the voice and just the entire vibe, but not just that song, just a lot of the song, the thing with Weird Al, we're going to turn this into a Weird Al <laughs> episode too. Uh, but the thing with him is that when you listen to a song, you he really captures the cultural zeitgeist of the moment in his music. And just going by that, I think it shows that Talking Heads really inspired a large part of the sound of the 80s or at least a portion of the right of like the they 80s. um i could definitely com- see coming that. off of disco from the late 70s early 80s um into more new wavy punk rock stuff they were kind of the bridge that gapped that just by listening to this song alone um and it, it's just it's crazy how much influence i believe they had on mainstream pop and rock well and roll. i think um, I think they're the one of those bands that may not have had the biggest hits of the time period, but certainly, like you said, um, inspired the biggest hits. Like, I think they pushed New Wave into bounder, into areas that it had not gone before Talking Heads. Right. Or they, they brought New Wave in these different styles, which I'll get into a little later, um, just enough into the mainstream for maybe bigger artists or pop stars to latch yeah. on to. Um, and maybe maybe even some cultural appropriation mm-hmm. i don't know we'll get there, there's a couple notes i have for some later songs that i'll yeah. bring that up in um but, but yeah this was this this is like a quintessential uh talking heads 1980 whatever 1980 something song jimmy what'd you think of this one you had any other thoughts of uh, burning down the house no, uh, nothing really we're on to life during wartime oh yeah right sorry that was a long tangent i couldn't remember <laughs> what song we were on um i knew I, I think i've heard it before um but uh i the only note that i really wrote down was um you have to be in really good shape to be in this band apparently because <laughs> like everybody's just like jumping around dancing like yeah oh dude they're probably young they're, they were definitely younger than i there's yeah. moments i forget oh, like- by like 10 I forget years. which songs, Easy. but there's moments in this movie where literally he's jogging in place for the entire song, which is pretty yeah. difficult. Oh, dude. And and there, there's a point when the drummer stands up um, like because he's a showman and his shirt is 98 percent wet, <laughs> just dripping wet. But he's also wearing like a polo shirt that's like cotton. And I was like, this is this drummer is crazy, dude. He's not even wearing a T-shirt. He's wearing like a, a freaking polo shirt. <laughs> I, I do want to mention before we move on that this song, the lyrics actually make sense and are about something. If you read through them, it's pretty evident that it's sort of about like a spy within the United States, but a, like an oppressive government United States. Michael Scar. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's threat level of midnight. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's espionage. She's like uh talking about moving around the US, transmitting messages, gathering weapons, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And there's also some fun references to uh the Mud Club and CBGB's, which were two punk clubs that they started out playing. Hmm. Nice. <clears throat> All right, so I guess we're going to move on to uh, making flippy flop. Making flippy flop. <laughs> yeah, I knew you weren't going to be able to song. say that. <laughs> <laughs> I have hard time with work. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Th- this um, is yeah. That, this is some art house shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it it's also a, pop, a groove too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like how when it starts out because we're talking about the theater part, it's just a red screen and it says onions. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know oh, what it means, but I, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like switching between different random topics and stuff, but it was very interesting. Um, Swamp, I, I don't know any of the lyrics, but I don't know how it could be more possible to to make a song sound exactly like its title. Wow, I was, I was like, oh, this that. is Swamp. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. My, the first impression, going back to what Dan asked about his vocals, uh, I didn't like his vocals on this one at all. It was kind of, uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get it. I just didn't dig yeah. it. And then as the song went on, I, I didn't like the song overall, but I literally thought exactly what Jimmy just said. I was like, it sounds like I'm in a swamp. I get it. Like, I, yeah. I didn't really listen to the lyrics too much. Um, so I don't know what it's about, but maybe they're just trying to maybe they wrote the song and like, hey, it sounds like we're in a swamp. Let's name it swamp and let's have bad vocals. Yeah. So I think this is like when people ask like whoa david byrne on broadway i would point to this because they've always been super theatrical and to me like this is this is him playing a character um yeah yeah totally i don't know it's i i don't mind the song i think it works better on this movie than it does to just listen to um but i think he's just portraying like a devilish like evil character and I think it works, especially with the red lighting and the extreme close-ups and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. But yeah, uh, we can move on to what, what a, a day, day that, that was. was. Jimmy talking about really good lighting. Um, this was like one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in like any, especially a concert movie. Um, they're all like lit from. I think it was like from under. Like it was like low right. lighting. And like it was like just their face being illuminated, and I thought that was like one of the coolest shots that they did. I think they might have had like a really wide shot too, and it was like just beautifully shot. Um, it was, I mean, it was a good song, but just uh, I, I it was think it's very funny cool. that you brought up the visuals to this one because the only note I wrote for this was that Jimmy must love this harmonizing because this this brought back oh. the the background vocals to like one of their best performances in the show, and I mean they they were great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the harmonies are really good in this song. Okay. <laughs> um, this must be the place. This is another one that I love. Would you guys have any thoughts about this one? Not too many. Um, I did like, uh, we're, I mean, you just brought up the Broadway show. Uh, this was I, one of the first ones, other than like the weird abstract backgrounds they did with like the onions that I, I love because I'm an onion boy. Um, hmm. Like uh like lamps and bookshelves and yeah they brought up a lamp on this uh, on this thing yep. i thought it was so interesting because i was like just that one little prop and like yeah they had different yeah. backgrounds going on in the background but i was like that makes it feel so homey and i was like i don't know how they did that but like it just worked and i thought it was a good compliment to the actual song and it's interesting too. how they were able to elicit that emotion with like a simple prop because if you if you yeah. listen to what he's singing about to me this is is a pretty traditional like i'm on the road i miss home type song especially like when you add in the fact that to him he's equating home with his significant other that he misses so i think it's just uh i think it's just it's sort of a traditional song for them in terms of style and lyrics but like i think a, he does a good job like, yeah, eliciting emotion a traditional romance song 
Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a good job portraying that through the song and visually. Yeah. Uh, Once in a Lifetime is a song that I definitely know. I've definitely heard this one before. This is probably their biggest hit. Yeah, this goes back to what I was saying about nostalgia and the song being everywhere. Um, This is also the song that I think is directly influenced Weird Al's Dog Eat Dog. It's almost the same song. It's not a direct uh, parody. It's a stylist parody, but it's so catchy. And this is the song that David Byrne performed on SNL that got stuck in my head um, that I didn't know at the time when I told Dan that it was a Broadway show. I was like, hey, it's weird that they just had uh, David Byrne on here. I wonder if John Mulaney personally picked him because John Mulaney's a nerd and likes the talking heads. And then Dan was like, Mm no, he's like has a successful Mm -hmm. Broadway show. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's just it's a really good, really catchy song. I would go so I far. I like the live. Oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, sorry. I I, I think I like the live performance of this song uh, on this specific thing. Um, I thought I liked it better than the actual like recorded version because we also get the visuals of him singing it too and like him doing his weird stuff. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool and it really complemented the song very well. Yeah, he's got the weird. Um like dance move where he's like being thrust backwards yeah i, I don't know what's yeah, happening yeah. there but i cannot listen to that song now without equating it to that visual which is to me <laughs> pretty powerful visual arts but I, I always think of this as like the culmination of talking heads or at least what i love about the talking heads so when if i was to only be able to play you guys one talking head song to talk you into them this is what i would choose mm-hmm. um this is a great song. i, I so- love I love the layering of keyboards. It's so dense and so rich and vocal harmonies. There's so much going on and so many sounds that you wouldn't think would be together in a band like this. And and one thing that they're great at, which is like something I've had conversations with. Um, Jeff was in a band that was looking to like add members and to grow their sound. And and uh, it didn't end up working out, but I had tried out for that band. And what I tried to explain to Jeff is... As you add more members, more instruments, more texture, you actually have to do less. And each of the members individually has to take a little bit of a step backwards. And this is a perfect example of that. Like if you isolate what one member of the band is doing in once once in a lifetime, it's very minimal. Like the right. bass part is well, you didn't have to talk me mm. into that. I mean, <laughs> there were other reasons, but but yeah, like yeah. you you came in and you played harmonica on a track. We actually we kept that in there and um you know you were you just brought in like jimmy when we did that other uh band that we've talked about on the show (laughs) before when we were doing like bruce springsteen and e street band kind of covers and shit jimmy was there just like playing the tambourines like you need that that little tiny extra thing fills out so much not dead space but just brings a song to life yeah and doing background vocals you did and I think if you guys... <laughs> now I, I, I remember all the Spanish parts for uh, Should I Stay or Should yeah, I Go. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up, Dan, because, I mean, even in that band, like, we had a keyboard player, and there were some times when the lead guitar and the keyboard player were trying to both shine at the same time. And even when you weren't there, I was like, how about you don't do this now? And, like, we'll we'll go back, like, this verse, the guitar will do it, the next verse, the keyboard will do it, and we'll right. switch. You, you have to do that. It'll just sound like a muddled mess. And another thing, And now too, that we're, like... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead first. I was going to say now that we're in like the back third of this set of this concert and they've built it up to a pretty large band at this point, yeah. it's 
it's integral that they do that or else it would just sound like a big wall of mush. Yeah, you have to. And I think if you Mm -hmm. like go forward and you continue to listen to Talking Heads and you listen to this bigger band stuff, this more um, dense stuff, if you isolate individual like tracks, individual instruments in your head, you'd realize that they're all doing very like minimalist things. It's it's putting them together that makes them more than the sum of their parts. And what I was going to say too, uh, a little bit for this song, but a lot for other songs, is that the way that they use the the synthesizer is really cool. Because now, I mean, forty years later, almost we've heard a lot more music that didn't exist then. And we've seen electronic music advance to where some songs are only uh, made with electronic instruments. And I'm just trying I always try to think, like, put my place, put my head back in that place at that time. Like, what was it like for it for that synthesizer for people who weren't used to that? Like, that must have been just like mind blowing to some people. Maybe not at this point. This might have been a little too late. But just going back there, like these are sounds that you didn't hear in rock and roll. We hear it now all the time. But back yeah. then, did they like how groundbreaking were they really? You know, mm. do, do people mm. now give them enough credit for integrating that? Well, I think what they were key at is what you sort of just touched on, which is the integration, because there were new wave bands that were fully digital, like Duran Durant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, bless oh, you. Bless you. Um, there were bands that were like fully digital, like Duran Duran, Flock of Seagulls. They had kind of their own audience, though. Talking Heads was able to bring that effect and that texture in with modern rock sensibilities and modern like pop music sounds of the time. Like I think they definitely inspired bands like The Cars to push into a more digital sound than they right. had previously done. So the next song is kind of interesting because it's yeah. not a Talking Heads song. So I didn't know that at first. Um, I just wrote Tom Tom Club question yeah. mark um, because <laughs> there's a there's like this really weird bass effect, and then at, mm-hmm. by the like the middle of the song, I was like, "Where David Byrne at? Where he go? He need yeah. to take a nap. He need to go potty. He need to get a drink. Uh-huh. What's going on?" Um, and <laughs> and then I was like, "Wait, are these covers? I know these lyrics, but." it doesn't sound like a cover of the song, like a lot of hip hop lyrics and R and B lyrics and all these, this cool shit. And I'm like, Oh, this is like a a medley, but it's not really. And I didn't really, I, I dug the hell out of the song, but I just didn't understand what was going on until later when I looked it up and the drummer and uh, bass player are married and they were in a side project called Mm -hmm. the Tom Tom club. And this was their number one hit. I didn't know that genius of love yeah i looked it up too what'd you guys think of this i mean we don't have to go too deep because it's not talking heads but i think it's kind of gives you a cool look at um the interplay between um the bass player and drummer who are married yeah i was as soon as that happened i was like oh the drummer can sing as well i was like yeah. that's cool and the bass player as what well are they, some 41? Um, but i <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, but no, the song was cool. I was like, I don't know what the Tom Tom Club is, but I want a membership. <laughs> and then we get you're to going places. Is better. You're going places. Get it? Yeah, Tom Tom because it's GPS. Because get it? Girlfriend is better, Dan. Why don't you start this off? <laughs> you're cool. Why don't you? 
All right, yeah, no, I'm this looking is up the, the lyrics. Uh, so I remember which uh, song this is because a lot of times I don't shadowy, remember the words. This is very theatrical. This is when they were wearing like the big old suits, and this is an image that mm. yeah, I just know from pop culture. I mean, it's been parodied relentlessly as recently as Kanye West and some other mumble SoundCloud rapper wearing big old square coats, um, <laughs> which but, they yeah, probably never acknowledged that it was David Byrne's idea. No, no, they, I, I hate. I can't stand Kanye West. He's just a terrible person, but. Um, yeah, it's very. There's a lot of use of lighting and shadows uh, in in the stage part of this, and the song itself I really liked. It was this is kind of another one of those like kind of straightforward romancey songs, but not really. Yeah, um, I think a lot of this one was the visuals. But Jimmy, what did you think? I thought it was fine. I didn't really write anything about it. I mean, I've I've seen this before, like Jeff was talking about. Like, I've I've seen the visuals before, but I thought the song was okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite Talking Head song. Jimmy, what about the next song, "Take Me to the River"? Oh, this song was a bop. Uh, obviously, everybody knows this song. "Take Me to it's the Al Green, River." Right? Who is it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, Al Green. This was a um, fun, great album. song, great rendition. Yeah. Very good. I love the background singers in Dude, this as well, and David Byrne kind of riffing off just of them. Watching, and watching it was fun this and listening to it, it was like a bunch of punks putting on a, a Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band show. It was just like it had that same energy and just like like a party, like we mentioned before. It was just super fun, and I mean, Bruce always does classic R and B song covers um, in like this big style and. And introducing the band yeah, like this yeah. too, which I was like, "Oh, this feels very Springsteen to yeah, me I as mean, well." It, it was so rock and roll. It was so cool, um, very cool. I liked it a lot. I like his guitar playing in this. He he does some pretty interesting stuff as far as like lead guitar work, and, and we we saw him on acoustic for you know the first third to half of the movie. Yeah, we didn't mention a lot of his guitar. Work. A lot of it is really good, and it's like. It's choppy and it cuts through, but it's still like, mm-hmm. it's not quite uh, Andy Gill of Gang of Four choppy, which we talked no. about a few weeks ago, but mm-hmm. it, it is, I don't know. It's really interesting. It's funky. I, I, yeah. It's got that um, sort of like stacks records. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with some of that, like mid to late sixties soul music that came out of the South. Um, but definitely like I could see that with the Al Green song um, mm-hmm. playing that up. Um but yeah, I think he does some very interesting, innovative things on guitar. He's probably not the best guitarist, like in terms of traditional rock guitar soloing, but I think like he utilizes it in a very interesting way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then cross-eyed the and final, pointless or painless. I'm sorry. The uh, final song on this performance. Yeah. The final song of the, uh, of the performance and, um, I thought it was a fine oh, song. Man. I um, disagree it, with it was, you. I think this oh, was really? the best song. Oh wow! This, maybe not the best song, but I think that it was the best finale. Because like after "Take Me to the River," you're just pumped up, and uh, and then this comes on and it's so funky and it's like an Afrocentric funk punk rock and seven Red Bulls got poured into a blender and then you just <laughs> like mainlined it into your neck artery. And it was it's so great and cool and fun. And like I mentioned earlier that like 
maybe they, they're doing some cultural appropriation, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just showing um, an homage and honoring music that they love. Cause like they're taking like this, like Afro funk, which I mean, mm-hmm. in the, in the 70, late seventies and early eighties, there were some people like uh, Fela Kuti and William Onyabor in Africa who were like, they were taking these Moog synthesizers and doing weird shit with it that like America didn't even hear until I, I, maybe it's still like kind of a, a subculture, but like, they had these cool vibes going and like they're just like the punk rock energy that they had. And it was just so fun and funky and it was awesome. It's just a great song. And, and I think it, it sh- like if you were to break it down, it shows all the little pieces that make the talking heads, the talking heads. Um, and then just throwing <laughs> everything at the wall and like, here's a song. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I, it was I mean, I, so I wanted to touch a little bit on this idea of cultural appropriation because this is something that we've talked about in the past with other um, topics. It's hard to yeah. put your finger on it when you're dealing with stuff of a different time period. Right. Um, I would have to say that David Byrne came from a pretty genuine place of yeah. trying to actually push world music into the American pop culture sensibility. That's why I don't think it's appropriation, but it if you don't know like more of the background, I think it can be seen as that. Cause I mean, even on stage, like it's culturally and socially very diverse uh, on stage and in the audience. And this song is the first time they really go into the audience. And there's people of all ages, all backgrounds, just mm-hmm. rocking out and loving it. And that's awesome. Like you don't see that a lot in mainstream bands. Yeah. So, so you guys, this yeah. is where the film ended for you. Is yeah. that correct? Yep. There's, okay, yeah, I there's read that on the, extra on the DVD, tracks. there's two songs, but it wasn't on Tubi. Okay. Well, I just want to touch on them a little bit because it relates to what we just talked about in Cross-Eyed and Painless. Um, the first song is Cities, which I don't have a lot to say about that. It's sort of another like jam. But then they do Izimbra, which is one of their more popular like Afrobeat slash world music songs. That sounds great. Yeah. And this one is really cool because it's based on this like dadist chant do you know anything about the dadist movement or dadaist or dadism i've no not doubt oh no i I don't know just just go just go it's it's like an avant-garde movement art movement that came out of like switzerland and germany in in like the 1910s and 1920s it's i don't know it's sort of like proletariat anti-bourgeois but um so the lyrics are like a repetitive chant of this Dadist poem um, by Hugo Ball. So it's really a weird mix of Afropop music with German anti-fascist poetry. I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Hmm. And again, like this one, you really don't need to know what the lyrics are because they're all in German and there's only four lines that repeat over and over again in different combinations. That's cool. Yeah, it's that is a real bop, though. You got to check out Ezimbra. No, I, I was guess disappointed you had to find out if I was talked into it first. Yeah, I was disappointed to find out that that wasn't part of the regular film because that's like one of my favorite bops on the movie. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, in closing, like we talked about it at the beginning and throughout, it's it's a crazy juxtaposition because like by the time you get to Cross-Eyed and Painless, you're seeing this full band and it's just like so crazy. Yeah, there's like 20 people on yeah, stage. Yeah, and you almost forget that this started out with a guy and an acoustic guitar, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it started out so stark and bare, and it became this, like, 
crazy party like almost like a like a revival folk kind of thing mm-hmm. jimmy you have any final thoughts uh final thoughts uh not really uh, everything i've pretty much already said okay well i guess uh my final push to you guys would be that uh, if you were talked into the Talking Heads, it's a really fun band to explore because, as you could probably surmise, they were not a big hit band. They probably had three, four songs, maybe in the top 20. Um, so when you get into their albums, you're going to experience stuff that you like as much or even more than the songs that you know just from mm. pop culture. So they're they're a fun band to dig into, and they have so many different sounds that sort of advance chronologically, just the way the the concert did. Their early stuff, like Psycho Killer, was like a very simple, stripped down four piece rock band, and then when you get to their later, like World B Afro Pop stuff, it's this big, huge, lush, expansive sounds. So, with that, I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you guys. Was I able to talk you into the music of Talking Heads? Uh, Dan, you want to count us down? Sure. That'll be the easiest. <laughs> Can you see me? Yes. Yep. Ready? Yes. It was. Oh, I think, boy. I think you figured it out. It was. I, I never dislike them. Um, they're, they're enjoyable. I just didn't really know that I liked a lot of their other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the other music that they like, I also like. So I think it's it's a simple yes. I think I need to explore all several of their albums because they were around for like 16 years, I think it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll go from and there. And David Maybe Byrne has some really some cool Tom solo Tom stuff. Too. David Byrne. I already dig yeah. Brian Eno when I'm sleeping. You probably shouldn't brag about digging Brian Eno because you literally like don't know any of his stuff. Like, no, no, I have no idea. He worked extensively it, with David Bowie. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Uh, Jimmy, uh, why were you a yes? <laughs> um, it was definitely a, a straight vibing band to me. Um, I, I could definitely see me throwing this on, just enjoying the music. Um, like you said, it, the lyrics are kind of nonsense and they're more like art house. And uh, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Just sort of sitting back and vibing and They're enjoying an the awesome music. driving I, I band. Think, uh, I think my mm. wife might be a yes, too, because I was watching this late and she was in bed. But the next day, like halfway through, through the day, she was like, what were you listening to last night? It was pretty interesting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. girl. Uh, yeah, funny. it's cool. So uh, we didn't plan for this mystery topic to be a music episode. And usually we try to space out similar topics so it's not too much at once. But um Jimmy and I are going to be talking Dan into a musical artist next week. Oh yeah, my. we are. Next week, uh, Jeff and I are trying to talk Dan into the artist Lil Dicky. Hi, I'm um, Dave. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a big show right now that's on FX. Uh, Lil Dicky has his own show that's sort of based on his his real life. Yeah, it's, it's and, like um, probably fictionally biographical. Yeah, for the most part. Um, so uh, we wanted to talk Dan into it because we like his music. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be uh, making a playlist, a video playlist and a music playlist for Dan. And uh, hopefully he's talked into it because he's a very funny boy. And he's, I'm just, interested. he's a good rapper, too. He's a professional rapper. He's very yeah. good. Yeah, very good. 
Alright, you can find us on www.talkmeinto.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at TalkMeInto. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash TalkMeInto. Uh, you can support us if you want, but there's also some free stuff up there. There is currently a free episode of a former podcast of ours uh, where our friend Dante and I talk about Weird Al Yankovic's Mandatory Fun, and I made that free because I was recently asked to be a guest on a podcast called We're All Yankovics, in which I talk about sports song and why it's the best song ever written. Um, so yeah, go check out We're All Yankovics, episode 199, sports song. I am on there. It was a pretty fun time. But yeah, uh, go to Patreon too. And we're on YouTube. Look for Talk Me Into. There's some videos of us cooking. And there's going to be some other fun stuff coming up there for Freezy Wheezies. <laughs> You could find me personally on Instagram at large hard on collider or on Twitter at J E F F F F F two seven Jeff with five F's at number 27. Dan, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown, where I will be uh, retweeting memes and shit posting about RuPaul's Jag race. Uh, Jimmy, where can we find you? <laughs> Jag race. They can that, find me. Yeah. Whatever they dress up kitties as tigers. Oh no! It's where actors from the former sitcom Jag do drag. Oh, uh, oh you can like also that. find me. You can find me at Son of a Fitch S O N N A B A F I T C H on Twitter and Instagram. Been a lot more active on Instagram, so uh, go see my pics. I just posted a picture of my senior yearbook quote. That's by Michael Scott. So that was <laughs> that's fun. pretty good. I saw that. Yeah. So thank you for listening to talk me into. What will we talk you? into next hi i'm dave it's little dicky hi i'm dave well technically you brought in the last mystery topic so so yes i don't know i can you can you can you do it me okay <coughs> yeah i don't want to talk i won't do anything nobody <laughs> wants me to sometimes yeah well you're doing little dicky next well i mean both of us are oh yeah you also like, like little dicky remember I do. I'll do this one. You do little Dicky. Okay. <laughs> wow. I never I got a feeling, a feeling I, I can't hide. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh come on, Dan. I've got a feeling, yeah. Everybody had a hard year. Everybody lived their head down. Everybody had the sun down. Oh, come on, Dan. Everybody let the down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, those weren't the words, but, you know. It's a vibe, Jim. <laughs> it's a vibe. No, seriously, like a lot of those songs, he didn't even really have words. Yeah. Listen to Come Together from Live in New Live. York City. They're yeah. Not, it's not even it's the same It's nonsense. Thing. We, are, we all ascribe meaning to that nonsense, but to him, it was just nonsense. Yeah. <clears throat> he had no problem changing them. Yeah. Jimmy, I like when you bring us into this segment. You should do it. <laughs> Gee, why is that? Because you do it poorly and it's entertaining to yeah. listen back to. You got it. Yeah, we have to pause for a minute because I am um, I think I just shit my pants. I'll be back. <laughs> something beautiful with this Jimmy <laughs> please cut the audio and just throw it into the thief <laughs>
Oh my god. Oh boy. That's good. And here I was, sad that we had to record remotely. And this happens. <laughs>